to Buddhism for Beginners, a podcast on foundational Buddhist teachings and techniques to use in your everyday life. This podcast is a production of Kunzang Payal Choling, a Buddhist center in the Payal lineage of the Nyingma School of Tibetan Buddhism. For more teachings, meditations, and resources, you can visit our online virtual temple at tara.org. That's T-A-R-A dot org. The basis for understanding our true nature is bodhicitta, the compassionate intent to benefit all beings. Kindness then becomes the essence of our practice. Jetsama Akon Lamo guides us in understanding how this works. What I would like to talk about to you today is the uh, issue of, it's not an issue I guess, but teaching concerning compassion, but a particular angle of compassion that is of the utmost importance that in the upcoming time, since this is a time of, of, of uh, change and as usual and, and suffering in the world, and since we are preparing to engage in you know, an extensive uh, prayer effort in order to be of benefit to the world, I would like to talk about an element of compassion that we should be thinking about very strongly and we should take it to heart. In one way compassion is compassion and there aren't different elements. But the Buddha has given us some traditional teachings that are very common in, in the sense that they are very often given out and I have often given them out about different kinds of compassion. The ordinary human kind of compassion in which we can engage in helping others to be well fed and helping others to be clothed and housed that kind of compassion which we can accomplish within the context of one lifetime and under ordinary human conditions. And the Buddha also teaches us about extraordinary compassion, the, the kind of compassion which really cannot be accomplished within the context of one lifetime easily. And if it is, the result of this extraordinary compassion still seems to go on far beyond the course of one lifetime. It doesn't end after one lifetime like ordinary human compassion does. That extraordinary compassion pertains more to the attaining of enlightenment and the helping of others to attain enlightenment so that the causes of their suffering will cease not only in this lifetime but in every future lifetime as well. That is extraordinary compassion. And the Buddha has given many different ways in which we can accomplish this both ordinary and extraordinary compassion. But particularly today I want to talk about compassion as concerns your practice. Here we are practicing Vajrayana Buddhism. It is a sub-section uh, of the Mahayana school of Buddhism, the great vehicle. In the Mahayana school of, compassion, of uh, Buddhism, it is considered that the very foundation of any realization is compassion. The very foundation of anyone's practice is compassion. It is considered that it is the superior view in that one 
can one accomplishes the revelation, the realization, the awakening to the bodhicitta, which is the mind of enlightenment, and that is done through the awakening of compassion, through the practice of compassion. It is considered to be that the awakening to compassion and the practice of compassion are the same as the mind of enlightenment, that the mind of enlightenment is not separate from that. And that also, as one awakens compassion, practices compassion, one also awakens to the awareness of the primordial state, the primordially empty state of pure luminosity, the view. This, these two are the fundamental, these are the right and left feet, if you would, of, of the understanding of the Buddha's teaching. But particularly in the Mahayana view, it is considered that one can accomplish no real enlightenment, truly, under any condition, even if one were to practice saying mantra and accomplishing visualization and doing prostrations and doing all kinds of extensive, complicated, involved kinds of practice. Without compassion, one would accomplish nothing. It would be flimsy. It would be a shadow. It would accomplish very little. And I have seen with my own two eyes in this very lifetime, this is not some esoteric story that I'm telling you, I have seen with my own two eyes Dharma students, long-time Dharma students, and if not long-time, then um, educated Dharma students who will practice mantra constantly, all day long. They'll be doing their little beads like this. Boom, 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 boom. And they'll be saying prayers constantly, and they'll be making offerings, and they hold their bodies as though they're very devout. And they, they try to look the Dharma look and talk the Dharma talk, and, and they have the words, and they can throw the words around, you know, and, and intimidate the rest of the people. And they can, they can make things sound just so glitzy as pertains to Dharma. But they have no heart for Dharma. Because they have not taken the time to truly examine themselves deeply and ask themselves, do I really wish for the welfare of sentient beings? Well, now sometimes oh, we know that this is the Buddhist teaching, so we can convince ourselves that we really wish for the welfare of sentient beings. I'm going to read the paper right now. See, this is the paper. I'm going to look in the paper. I'm going to think, oh yeah, there's war over here, and there's famine over here, and there's hunger over here. There's a, let's see, there's been a tornado, and uh, somebody's, a bunch of people got cholera after that, and a flood. And, Gee, I sure wish that suffering was finished. Yeah, I hope those people experience less suffering. So we can convince ourselves doing that, that we are compassionate people. Yet we have a very difficult time taking it down to brass tacks. And brass tacks are, is there anyone toward whom you have ill feeling? Is there anyone toward whom you wish there are some revenge? Is there anyone toward whom you harbor secret resentment? Is there anyone that you feel funny about when you hear about their success? 
Is she not genuinely happy for? Have you ever had the experience of thinking how, you know, you know the little games that we play? Let's, let's talk dirty now, shall we? Let's get down to the bottom line here. Let's really look at ourselves. Have you ever looked at a person that maybe didn't have much to eat and didn't have a nice house and maybe they didn't have too many things, maybe they couldn't give much to their kids, but they bought themselves a real good car and thought, oh, that doesn't make me, you know, that's not good, that's nothing. Or a thought like that in which you made a judgment about someone else's happiness. Do you know that according to the Buddhist teaching under that very same condition, you should look at that person's car and you should say, great, I wish that person had two cars like that. And I wish that that car would make them happy forever. And I wish on top of that 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 person's family had enough to eat. And I wish on top of that 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 person's house was really great. And I wish that that person would have every single need met. In that kind of mind, there's no space for judgment about what that person's doing. But we don't really think like that. And sometimes we look at another person's success and we say, you know, that person's not deserving of that success. What did they do to earn that? What's so great about them that they should be in that position? Don't we think like that? Isn't that true? You've thought about that. We've each, every one of us, thought like that. That isn't what the Buddha taught. The Buddha taught that what we should do is this. We should say, hooray for that person's success. That's great. I hope they are successful in this and every future lifetime. I hope that they always carry themselves with dignity. I hope that they always feel really good about themselves. I hope that they have every single dream come true. I wish that we could say that, but we don't. We really don't. What we have to do as practitioners is to examine our path. Because you know what? No one will really be able to do that for you, even though you have a teacher. You know, I went to see my teacher on this trip also. And he said, said to me something like, you know, the fault of the student-teacher relationship is that, that, that the teacher cannot always jump in your mind and say, take this crap out. You know, take this garbage out. Get rid of this. The teacher cannot always jump in your mind and say, clear the decks. Oh, in a general sense, yes, I'm telling you to clear the decks right now. But I can't really jump in your mind and, and pick things out for you. Do you know who's ultimately responsible for that? You are. And you know the problem with that? You're going to fool yourself. You're going to try to get away with murder, and you're not going to do your best, and you're just going to hang out. Just hang out. The problem with just hanging out with this stuff is that those very thoughts that you think are your right to think will bring you nothing but suffering. Nothing but suffering. When we think kindly about others, when we wish for their welfare, do you realize that in some way that's very hard to understand, we are actually ensuring that in the future we are going to be happy? We're writing our ticket. That is the Buddhist teaching. Cause always brings about effect. 
The seed always bears fruit. Always bears fruit. And it always bears exactly the same fruit as the seed is. That means apple trees never give off bananas. And if you think with a generous heart and a good, good heart, with a, with a generous mind, in the future, generosity will come to you and you will be happy. But on the other hand, if you think in a vengeful way or a haughty way or a judge, judging way, in the future, no one will be kind to you. You will experience suffering. Everything in life will be a struggle for you. Everything in life will be hard. It will be very hard. You won't be able to attain too many of your goals. And if you do, you'll have to work very, very hard for them to where you're tired. Really tired. It's like, you know, some people seem to have their wheels greased. And other people have to fight tooth and nail. There are reasons for it. Those are the reasons. Still in all, even with all of that, we are taught that we should not practice compassion for selfish reasons like that. Those aren't the good reasons to practice compassion. You shouldn't practice compassion because in the future it will help you not to suffer. That's a stupid reason to practice compassion because it's not compassion at all. That's called feathering your nest. And it's a selfish and self-absorbed kind of posture. But still, you should know the facts about it. You really need to understand about cause and effect. You really need to understand that when you're running around being compassionate and generous, you're not doing anybody a favor, except yourself. But that isn't the reason to practice generosity and compassion. The reason to practice generosity and compassion is because you've looked around and you've seen the suffering of sentient beings. And the only way that you can look around and see the suffering of sentient beings is to look around and see it. Don't hide. Don't say, oh, it breaks my heart. I can't stand to look at it. Tough. Have a broken heart. But practice compassion. Practice compassion and your mind will be healed. If you think your mind is full of suffering and you have a hard time looking at the suffering of the world, it's not because there's suffering in the world. There's always been suffering in the world. The reason why you have such unhappiness because you yourself have not practiced a kind heart. Have not practiced compassion. When you practice compassion, when you practice a kind heart, your suffering ends. That's true. In this world, there are people, in the human realm alone, there are people just like you. Exactly like you. They are no different from you. They suffer from impermanence, just like you. They suffer from the suffering of suffering, just like you. They suffer from ignorance, just like you. They suffer from not understanding cause and effect, just like you. From old age, from sickness, from death, just like you, just like me. Just like us. And just like you, everyone in the human realm alone, you can be assured, wishes to be happy. Do you know anyone that does not wish to be happy? Now, some people use some really strange methods to get happy. Like, for instance, some people pick depression 
as a way to get happy, believe it or not. Have you ever seen that happen? Oh, absolutely it happens. We pick depression to get happy because it will get us some attention or it will get us some caring. And sometimes we pick depression to get happy because we do not understand the content of our minds. And we think that if we suffer enough, somehow it will boil down to relief. Strange ideas that we have mixed up in our minds. So hard to understand how we think. Yet, of course, those means never bring about happiness. Sometimes sentient beings fix on the idea of helplessness. Sometimes they fix on self-absorption. But whatever it is, we do not seem to understand the way to get happy. Because if we did, we would engage in that kind of activity and we would be happy. We do not understand how to be happy. We try, but we don't make it. But you're not the only one that's experiencing that. Everyone you see that is a human being experiences that same difficulty. We do not understand how to get happy. So we're the same. We are the same. And arriving at that conclusion, we can only continue by wanting and, and, and feeling from the depth of our heart that all sentient beings are experiencing certain conditions and that we should do everything that we can to resolve those conditions. Everything without exception. If I were you and I say this because I am you. Because really, in truth, the illusion of separation is only that. And I say this also because I have practiced this way, and I continue to practice this way. From time to time, I would examine my heart, my own heart, and cut to the bone. Look at myself in the mirror. Really look. And examine it point by point. Do I really want happiness for everyone, even the people I don't like? Is there anyone about whom I have bad feelings? What are the little stickers that are in my mind that got me hung up? Where am I really about love? Not generally, specifically. Am I mad at my mother because she wasn't good to me? Am I mad at my father because he abused me? Am I mad at the people that have hurt me? Where am I with that? Really look at yourself. And then the advice that I have is kind of tough to take. From time to time, we should each, and I do this, drop everything. This is really radical. Maybe even, if it's in your mind to do so, drop the kind of practice that just keeps you busy, that you do by rote, for a short period of time. Drop everything and practice kindness. Really practice kindness. Be accepting of 
and truly forgive those who have hurt you. Really forgive them. It's tough. It's the hardest, very hardest thing. Let it be okay that they have done that. Not okay because they're lesser than you. That's not, that's nothing. But really okay because you love them. Practice kindness in such a way that you go person by person through the cornerstones of your life and be sure that you really want the highest possible good for each person. The person who's above you that doesn't deserve to be above you in your job, pray that they go even higher. Try it. The parent or child who has hurt you, pray that in every future life you will be permitted to serve them until they achieve enlightenment. Try that. So hard. But try it. Until you are free. Anyone who has double-crossed you, pray that you will always be true to them. Anyone who has taken from you, pray that in every future life you will be able to support them in every way. Try that. So hard. But you should try it until you are free. We aren't free to love. Not really. We keep these little corners of our hearts and minds locked up with all kinds of horrible stuff. We don't really practice truly. But I tell you this right now. You will never... We will never achieve enlightenment until we practice like that. We will not achieve enlightenment by repetition of mantra only. We will not achieve enlightenment by visualization only. We will not achieve enlightenment by gathering together facts and being very smart. These are not the ways to achieve enlightenment. We will achieve, achieve enlightenment through the practice of compassion in such a way as to be completely indistinct from the awareness of emptiness. What is the basis of such, such compassion? How can you truly wish that your worst enemy were to achieve perfect result? How can you really wish that? How can you hope? Well, if you really follow what the Buddha has taught, and understand something of the nature of beings, it becomes possible. I didn't say it was easy, but it becomes possible. For instance, we can understand that I am not Catherine Burroughs or Akun Lama or whatever it is you want to call me. Any, you can call me by any name you want to. That's not it. That's not my nature. And whoever you think you are when you look in the mirror, that's not your nature either. According to the Buddha, your nature is the pristine primordial wisdom state. And that state is, is indistinguishable. Meaning that, in that nature, in the pure, uncontrived view, what I'm calling I is really indistinguishable from you. 
in that view, in that nature, there's no place where you end and I begin. Where? That nature is uncontrived and indistinguishable. How can I discern myself from you? Understanding according to that view brings about the method, the means, the backbone for one's practice. And then on top of that, we have to begin to understand why students, why uh, sentient beings exhibit the characteristics that they do. Why do they act the way they do? Why do they act arrogant? Why do they act superior? Why do they act hateful? Why do they hurt others? Why do they do what they do? They do what they do for the same reason that you are blaming them. Out of confusion. Because they do not understand. Sometimes we have to really sit down and look at this. You know, that people who rape and people who rob and people who murder in some twisted way are trying to be happy. I watched a movie the other night called Goodfellas. You ever heard of that movie? Well, I hated it. It's actually well written up, but I hated it. And I hated it because it was a perfect example of people trying to get happy through brutality and being horrible to other people, through stealing, through murdering, through beating others. And actually so deluded as to think that it was bringing them happiness. It was very tough to watch because it was so much like us. And in our confusion, we exhibit similar characteristics. Well, maybe we don't, we're, we don't rape and we don't rob. Maybe we don't do that, but we blame and we judge and we hate. We have anger, and we do that because of confusion. So understanding that, that that is the case, it should give us the strength to be able to look at others in their confusion and say, hey, I understand. This is the condition of cyclic existence, and therefore I will practice. I will practice until cyclic existence is emptied from its depths. Until there is no more suffering. Sometimes you really have to stop all the busy work in your life and all the busy work in your practice and you really have to get the big picture. Cut to the bone. Get the meaning of practice. We all wish to escape cyclic existence, but I'll tell you this for a fact. You're not going to get out of this without loving. There's no way. No one can be free of suffering without first learning to love unconditionally. No one can be free of suffering without practicing compassion. And no one but you can be ultimately responsible for that practice. The greatest guru in the world cannot jump in your mind and pick out every little thread but you can. It's hard, but you can. 
And ultimately, you are responsible and will receive the benefit of such a practice. So you should do it. And you should also understand that you will never, we will never be free of suffering unless we accomplish practice like that. There is no freedom without the freedom to love. And that can only be accomplished through introspection and sincere practice. In a sense, I'm pleading with you. I know it sounds like I am, and I am. Please love. Please practice compassion. Please be diligent about this practice. Please get real about it. To mouth the words, to nod knowingly, to pretend that you love, will not bring you relief. It is not enough. Please be sincere. Don't just play the game. Because you will be playing the game forever. Cut to the bone. Learn how to love. It isn't a feeling that you should wait for. Oh, I don't feel compassion, so what should I do? No one feels compassion automatically. We wouldn't be sentient beings suffering if we felt compassion automatically. Compassion, love, is born of hard work and discipline. No one comes by it naturally unless they are realized. And they came by that naturally, or they come by that naturally, because they practiced it with great discipline in the past. The moment we conceived of ego, we clung to that ego in such a way as to be self-absorbed. Now we have to practice diligently and with great discipline. The opposite of that, the antidote. Compassion. Loving kindness. So wherever you are, just start. Don't make such a big deal about your condition. No one's surprised. You're a, you're a sentient being. You think it's a shock to any of us that we have hatred? Do you think anyone is surprised by that? We all know that we have that. Just start. Start now. Where you are. Sincerely. And to the degree that you are sincere, to that degree and none other, you will be successful. Please become responsible for the welfare of the world. Yes. Please become responsible for your neighbor and your family and everyone around you. Please see to their suffering. Take it upon yourself that you alone will be responsible for the end of all suffering. And that you wish to return in whatever form necessary in order to bring that about. Take personal responsibility for the world. Okay, be crazy. So if that's a messiah complex, go ahead, have one. That is the posture of the Bodhisattva. That is how to love extraordinarily when it's not easy and when it's not comfortable. Just love. So that is the teaching for today. And I tell you, you know, if you're moved to tears today, which I can see some of you have some tears, don't just sit with that. Use it. If you have any movement inside of you now, don't let it end here. 
take it home and practice it in your life. Begin now to think about the people that you have bad feelings about. Do what you can. Start now. It won't be perfect, but try. Take it home and practice. This podcast has been a production of Kunzang Payul Choling. For more teachings, meditations, and resources, you can visit our online virtual temple at tara.org. That's T-A-R-A dot org.